Welcome you. We welcome you to another Friday edition of Midday Meditation at the Father's Table. I am your host, Pastor Ron L. Tate, lead or senior pastor, whatever, however you want to call it, of the Father's House, Frisco. We're a house church that meets in North Frisco, Texas. And I am so grateful to be with you again on this beautiful Friday. It's a beautiful Friday. We're cloudy here in Texas. I don't know where you are. Cloudy in North Texas in Frisco. A little rain is supposedly on the way, but we're so grateful to be in the presence of the Lord. So we welcome you today, and you have joined the Father's Table podcast And we call this segment on Friday afternoons at high noon midday meditations where we jump into the word of the Lord and hear the voice of God for us in this day and in this hour. It is a end of the week midday jolt. You you know, I always think of the picture. If you know those paddles they use in hospitals when someone comes in and their hearts have failed or they're not beating at that moment and they grab the paddles and you see them they rub them together and they say clear and they put them on the patient's chest and there's a jolt of electricity that is sent through the body to restart the heart and that is what today is for we believe that this would be a jolt to you to your heart to your life to quicken you at the end of the week, the start of the weekend, and maybe, just maybe, a love for the word of the God, the love for the word of God will be formed in your heart and developed, and you will walk the rest of your days fully in love with his word, with his presence, and with his voice. And that is what we do today. 35, 40 minutes of your lunch break spent with the presence and with the voice of the living God. So welcome, welcome, welcome again. I am your host, Pastor Ron L. Tate. And today, for the first time, we have a little live studio audience (laughs) with us today. We have a couple of people in studio with us. And so it is another exciting day. Uh, As we get into what I believe the Lord has placed upon my heart for today, I do want to make two quick announcements, excuse me, this coming Wednesday, which will be April 28th at 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Costa Rican Time, uh, we will have my dear friend, brother of mine, we have been friends for about 15 years, I believe, 14, 15 years, somewhere in that range. We met in his home city of San Jose, Costa Rica. 
I was on a mission trip, and I happened to be teaching in, uh, we had breakout sessions during this one weekend, and I was teaching a class on evangelism. And I remember the first class I taught, there were seven or eight classes going on at once. And, you know, oftentimes people don't like to come to the evangelism class. And so my first class, there were only two people in the class at the time. And I'm teaching, but the door is open. And I'm, if you know me, I'm very passionate. I can raise my voice. (laughs) And I'm preaching, and you can hear me in the corridors of the church. And there were two people, but then all of a sudden, my brother, who I didn't know at the time, his wife, he and his wife walk in, and there's four. By the end of my session, the entire class is filled. Miracles begin to break out. The second session, you can't get a seat in my class. There's people outside the doors. And he and I met, and we talked after class for hours. We talked so long that the bus that I was on with my other team members left me outside. They knew they were coming back. We had another service that evening. And he and I were still talking. (laughs) And we've been talking ever since. And so he is a pastor at a wonderful, large, powerful church there in San Jose called Oasis de Esperanza. It's the oasis. At our church, the first church my wife and I planted was also called Oasis. And he is, if you remember, if those of you who remember last year, uh, he was the beginning of our podcast season. And he gave a wonderful testimony on how the Lord healed him of an incurable disease 16 years ago. A disease that there was a death sentence attached to. And the Lord healed him and he has not had any symptoms whatsoever, anything in over 16 years. <clears throat> and so this, this year he will kick off our interview session and we'll be talking about stepping into the unknown when God invites you to walk with him. And, and so he is about to step into another place. He and his family leaving the nation of Costa Rica and they're headed to Israel. And, and so I encourage you to jump on this with us this Wednesday, April 28th, 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Costa Rican Time. So I invite you to really jump on. You'll really enjoy it. I believe it'll be rich, powerful, transformative, um, and it'll be life-giving to so many of us. And then also, the last Friday of the month, the 30th, we once again will have midday meditation. So I invite you at 12 noon. I wanted to get those announcements as we jump into the word. Would you uh, just pray with me real quickly? Father, we love you. We adore you. We honor you and we thank you. We thank you for your voice. And we thank you for your word that you have left us, that we might walk with you and know what it's like to be with you. So we honor you today. We lift you up. We magnify you this Friday, April 23rd. And in this noon hour, we give you the first place. And we ask you to capture our hearts and our minds and pour your love upon us in ways 
that is undeniable that it is you and only you. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you for your precious Holy Spirit, the other comforter that you sent to be with us. Have your way in this time that we're together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week, for those of you who were with us, uh, who watched us live, and <clears throat> I also want to welcome those who will be listening to this in replay on any one of the numerous podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, you know, there's so many. We are there. You'll find us there in the Father's table. And uh, I, I welcome you and thank you for tuning in. And I pray that you are blessed and beyond blessed. I pray that you are transformed in such a way that you desire to walk with and like Christ in every moment of your day. We talked about last week, we began this discussion on who we are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says to us, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Any man be in, this word in, or this phrase be in, is this preposition that describes your place of being. I am in the car. It's my place, my position, momentary or long-term. I am in my pajamas. It's my position, my state. It tells you what I am preparing for, for rest. I am in my bed. I am in the kitchen. In the kitchen, this place of preparation. So if any man be in Christ, this permanent fixed position of my life. It says he is a new. This Greek word new is, the, is where we get the word for prototype, meaning something that has never existed before. <laughs> if we could get this as the church world, I'm telling you, it would radically alter everything that we do, no matter how young or old we may be. If any man be in Christ, he is, if he, his fixed position forever is in Christ, he is new. He is the prototype. In other words, when you're in Christ, the life that you live and carry, it has never existed before. This is why he goes on to say in that verse, old things are past away. All things have become new. Who you were no longer exists, though you may feel like he or she does. Though the enemy may want to remind you and bring up your faults, your failures, your weaknesses, and cause them to rear their heads to live at the forefront, if any man be in his fixed, primary, permanent position, be in Christ, he is new, a prototype. You have not existed. You say, well, how can you say that I have not existed before? You right now, when you are in Christ, you live in two realities at the exact same time. Why? 
because he, Christ, is seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. And if I am in Christ, I am seated with him right now, and yet I have two feet here on the earth. It is the ability to live in two realms at the exact same time. A, 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 a species that has never existed, having the ability to go in and out of the spirit and the natural all at the exact same times. He is a new creation, one that has never existed before. Uh, prior to Christ, you were subject to the things of the flesh, natural, locked into this position. But when you came to Christ, he defeated death. He overcame every temptation of the flesh, and he is now in the realm of the spirit in the heavens, and yet he is man. And God, when he rose from the grave, the Bible says that he still had flesh and bone. Jesus himself said it. He told the disciples, handle me and see that I am flesh and bone. And yet he ascended flesh and bone to the Father into the ability to go in and out of two realms, the realm of the spirit and the realm of the flesh or the natural you and I, being in Christ, fixed in position, have this ability. So really, who are you? Who am I now that I am in Christ? And we went to Luke chapter 3, verse 21, and we're going to go there. And I know I've already on 15 minutes, but bear with me. We still have 20 minutes at least. I want to, as we get back over to Luke 3, 21 and 22. I want to read two scriptures because, uh, two other ones prior to that, because we need to know who we are because the world is waiting. This is a scripture that I had not planned on giving, but in Romans, the Bible tells us that the earth is groaning. The earth itself, creation, is groaning, awaiting the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. It is awaiting, uh, you say, but I've already been revealed. I'm alive. No, 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 no. Who you really are. What aspect of the Father, of His life, of His DNA, of His breath is in you? He's taken a portion of His nature, His creative ability, and placed it just in you. Whatever your name is, whoever you are, in you, he's taking a portion of himself and deposited it in you. I love Lou Engle says this. He says, God has a dream and he wrapped human flesh around it and he called it you. You are, I am, we are the dream of God. What is that dream that he had for society that he's placed inside of me? My flesh being wrapped around it, and he wants that dream to get out of me and live inside of society. Do you know that there are people, there's a people group, there are nations who cannot step into the fullness of who they are without your arrival? Without you. Uh, my wife and I, uh, yesterday or the day before, we talk about spiritual things often, always. It's I'm consumed with them. It's who I am. We were talking about Catherine Kuhlman. 
And I remember Catherine Kuhlman saying that she was God's third choice for what she was doing. Why? Because God had chosen two other men prior to her who refused to do it. They carried the dream of God, but they refused to step into the fullness of their identity. And so he had to come to Miss Kuhlman, who said, yes, I'll do it. But what did he have for her to do that he adjusted because these other men, these other two men would not? And now what was it that he had for her to do that now fell to someone else? Who are you? And what dream has he placed inside of you that he wants out? You know what would be a powerful thing right now if you went and looked in the mirror and said to yourself, I am the dream of God. (laughs) You, you tell yourself that. Oftentimes, many of us, we can't even do it because we believe so little of ourselves. I, me, I am the dream of God. I was on his mind and he created me. The potter formed and fashioned. And when he formed and fashioned, he created me. These two passages, before I get off and on a tangent. The first one, Daniel eleven thirty-two, and I, I don't have time to read the entire chapter. But we need to know who we are. Listen to what Daniel eleven thirty-two says. This is, as you read in the chapter, about two kings in war, natural and spiritual. And it comes to this passage where it says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, the covenant of the living God, shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. One word in the Hebrew of that word exploits is miracles. The people who know their God, if you know him, you will become acquainted with you. You will know you. And if you know you and you know your God, you can't help but carry out great exploits, works, wonders. Why? Because he is a God of wonders. The Bible says that Moses knew the ways of God. Here is the man who went in and there were great wonders done at his hands. The sea parted. Numerous miracles. Why? Moses knew the ways. The ways mean your customary customary process of doing things. It is how you always are. But it says of the children of Israel. They only knew his acts. Things that they thought he did randomly. Not always. It wasn't a part of his nature. He might heal, but he might not. But Moses knew him as the God who healeth thee. That he, this is who he is. His nature is a healer. His nature is a deliverer. The children of Israel felt that maybe he might heal, but maybe he might not. Maybe he would deliver, but maybe he would not. Those who know their God will be strong, 
strength will be upon you. You will stand firm. You won't move. You will be immovable because you know your God. And you will do great exploits because you know him and know who you are in relation to him. That's the first scripture. Second passage. It's a little bit longer, but you'll get my point. Knowing who we are in Christ. It, the question we must ask ourselves is, who am I? And when you ask yourself, may it drive you to your knees before the Father to ask him, Lord, who do you say that I am? Who have you created me to be in this life? And to whom have you sent me? What have you called of me to do? What is the purpose, the plan, the designation for my life? Because I am a prototype before me. There was no existence of this type of life. There is only one Ronell Tated. I am he. There's only one Gary Tate, my father-in-law, who is with me. There is only one Todd White. There's only one Kenneth Copeland. There is only one Billy Graham. There's only one. Just go down the list. There is no one else. There, you're the only one. And he created you for destiny's sake. He created you with a plan. And he deposited the seed of his life inside of you. There is a dream inside of you that God wants manifested in the earth. Uh, when he says in Numbers 14, 21, he tells Moses that the children of Israel, this group would not go into the promised land because of their murmuring, their complaining, their, all of those things. And, and he says to Moses, when he says he's going to wipe them all out and start over, Moses said, Lord, don't do this thing. What will the people say about you? And the Lord says, I will not do this thing because of you coming to me. He says, however, they will not enter into the promised land and yet and still my glory shall cover the earth. The Lord tells you his desire is for his glory to cover the earth. How does his glory cover the earth? One way is that the glory he has placed inside of each and every one of us as a dream, as a calling, as an, a gifting, as an anointing. We release it into the earth and we live fully alive who we really are every single day. And there's a measure, a weight of the Shekinah glory of the Lord that is released all over. And when we all live who we really are, the weight of his glory fills and covers the earth. His tangible manifest presence will cover all. But back to my passage. Hebrews 11, verse 32 through 40, if we go all the way there. But there's one particular verse I'm after, and that's uh, verse... What is it? I think it's verse 37. Okay, here we are. <clears throat> verse 32. These are about, this is about the heroes of the faith. And he says, what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. And Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Listen to the marvelous, magnificent things they did. Who through faith, 
subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. These are people who knew their God, Daniel eleven thirty two, and was strong and did great exploits. But let's go on. There's other things that it says about them that we wouldn't think wouldn't make the passages of the hall of faith. Others, listen to this, were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Not things that would make our list necessarily of what stands out in the heavens. Still others had trials of mocking and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn in two were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. And here is the verse. It was verse 38 that I'm after. Of whom the world was not worthy. They were tortured. They were martyred. They were destitute, didn't have enough. They didn't have the best clothing, didn't have the best housing. They didn't have all these things, but they knew who who they were. They did not change to fit the culture of their day. And the Bible writes of them that the world was not worthy of them. They did great exploits. They had great strength that they were able to live under persecution, being tormented, under less than ideal circumstances, to say the least. And they knew who they were, so they would not bow to the day. They said they were tortured, cut in two. And they said they rather accept this and obtain a better resurrection. They trusted in the Lord. The point, the reason I wanted to, let me finish up that They wandered in deserts, mountains, in dens, in caves of the earth. And all these having obtained, listen to that, we we don't think today in our mind, if we live like this for the Lord's sake, that we would have obtained a good testimony through faith. They did all of this in faith. They did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for who? For us, you and I that they should not be made perfect apart from us. In other words, they're waiting for us to run our race. That what they lived in conjunction with the manner in which we live will be made one. That requires you and I to know who we are. So who are you really? Who are you in this life? Whom has the Lord created you to be when he says that you are a a new creation? Hasn't existed before. Go look at yourself in the mirror and say, 
There is no one like me. I am unique. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am the only one like me of 8 billion people on the earth. Isn't it amazing that we all have, none of our fingerprints are the same. He knows the number of our hair strands. All of these things about us are unique. We can have many people, we say, oh, you look like this person, this person looks like you. But all of us are unique. It is amazing to me, when I look at my children grow together, how you can have four children with the same mother and father, and yet every one of them be uniquely different, completely. Who am I? Who am I? If I knew, if you knew, never again would you wrestle with, are you more than enough? The enemy wants to tell us daily that my life, I'm not enough. I don't measure up. I'm not equal to this person. I can't compete with this person. I can't do this and do that and on and on. You're not enough. You're more than enough. Because he created you in his image. And wanted you to function after his likeness. Who am I? Luke 3, 21 and 22. We started here last week. And I'm just about out of time. When all the people, verse 21, were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. Five years ago, I had an encounter with the Lord out of this very passage right here. I was in Lockport, Illinois, in the wee hours of the morning, July 19th, 2016. We'll never forget it. It's my father-in-law's birthday. It was a Tuesday. This is how oftentimes you know those encounters. You remember exactly where you were, what time of day, when it was, when the Lord broke into your world. And I was struggling at this moment in dealing with, Lord, what do you want me to do? I've pastored churches. I've been here. I went to Florida. I'm now back in Texas. What, what, what are we doing? And we were on vacation. And I had been reading this passage over and over again. And I was at home for a great deal of time, not realizing that the Lord was giving me what I lost with my oldest son. And that was being with him. And I was home with my three boys most of the time. And, and on this day, out of my normal environment, we were visiting on vacation. The Lord broke in and opened this passage up to me like nothing I'd ever known. Five things Jesus received before he ever did anything in life. Before he did anything in ministry, the Lord established his position with him and who he was with him before he stepped out. 
Why is that important? I know for me personally, at the time, I was attempting to do things to please the Lord, to gain his favor. I was using ministry, in a sense, as a method, as a mechanism for the Lord to be pleased with me. Not knowing that he was already pleased because I had chosen him as my very own. Not knowing that he wasn't after what I did, he was after my heart. You, you know, in society, sometimes we're after what people can do for us, not after their heart. See, their heart, the Bible tells us that the issues of their life flow out of, who they really are, who I really am is located in the center of my being. It flows out of my heart. It is where my emotions are kept, my feelings are held on to. Do I really want you? Or do I simply want what you can do for me? And sometimes because in natural society, this is how we are. You know, we say, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's who you can use to get you to where you ultimately want to be. And we believe that this is how people are often is what you can do for me, how you can do it. And we treat people like that inside of the church world and out. And yet the Lord is not like this. He is a perfect father. He is perfect in all of his ways. Years ago when I was preaching in Illinois, the Lord gave me this statement. <clears throat> that he is more concerned about the condition of my heart towards him than he is the strength of my service for him. In other words, what you can do for me is not as important as who you are with me and to me. He wants me to posture myself as a son because he's relational through and through. He wants me. And for many of us, that is tough to comprehend because we're looking at all of our flaws and all of our negatives. And we forget that he already knew about all of them. He is drawn by very nature. He is drawn to the weaknesses of my life. Oh, oh how can you have to give me scripture for that? Paul says in Corinthians, in my weakness, he is in, he, he says it like this. Let me start from the beginning. Paul says, he asked the Lord three times, would you remove this thorn in the flesh from me? He tells us that the thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. He says, the Lord told him three times, no. For my grace is sufficient for you. He says, for in weakness, you are made strong. Why I come, my strength is made perfect, he says, in your weakness. I have come on account of the fact you cannot do it without me. <laughs> and if we're real honest, sometimes we want to do a lot without him. We want to be in control because if we relinquish, then that means I have to give up control. And for many of us, we have felt out of control our entire lives and we don't like the feeling because people have hurt us. We have been hurt. But he says, I want you, not what you can do for me. When Jesus was baptized, the Bible says that the heavens were parted and it opened in this passage. In Mark, it says they were parted, a violent act. I have not read in the scriptures, 
And I don't know, maybe someone can show it to me, but I have not read in the scriptures where after this, the heavens were open, that they were ever closed again. It means that Jesus lives under a complete open heaven. And if I am in Christ, my position, my fixed primary position, that I too live under an open heaven. He says, and the Holy Spirit descended. The very first thing that the Father gave to Jesus that he would need was himself, his presence. The Holy Spirit, he is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. He is the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of wisdom. He is the Spirit that searches the deep things of God. He is all of these things, and the very thing that he needed, the Father gave. If I am in Christ, my fixed primary position, I was there, and therefore his presence has been given to me. The second thing he gives them, he says, after the, dis, after the Spirit descended in bodily form, and I know I'm over time, a couple more minutes, please. Like anywhere, it's going anywhere, but. <laughs> he gave them his voice. The Spirit descended in bodily form, and then a voice. He gave them his presence, and then he gave them his voice. I don't know about you. Those of you who have children, if you've noticed, not only do your children want your presence, they want to know that you're looking at them, that you're fixated upon them, but they want to hear you respond to them. Uh, my two-year-old, if I have mouthwash in my mouth, and she comes in and says, Daddy, and she says something to me, if I don't respond to her, she says, why are you not talking? She says, what do you have in your mouth? She is not satisfied until I spit the mouthwash out and I respond to her with my voice. She wants my voice as well as my presence. She wants to hear my response. Your children, they come to you and they'll say things to you that don't necessarily warrant a response, but they want a response to see if you approve or not. They want not only your presence, but they want your voice. But it lends two things, that the presence and the voice are synonymous. If you have the voice of the Lord, his presence is there as well. If you can sense his presence, still and quiet yourself because his voice will be heard as well. He is speaking. The third thing he gave Jesus, it's important for us because if we are in Christ, our fixed, primary, forever position, then we were here this day. And what he did for Christ is done for us. He gave him identity. The voice says, the Father's voice, this is my beloved son. This is the son in whom I love. And if you and I will still ourselves. See, the reason I'm using the term still is because silence is the absence of exterior noise. Stillness is the absence of interior noise. We may have silence, but for many of us, it's loud on the inside. And we fear at times stillness. We fear silence because we have to deal with our own thoughts. 
But if you want to hear his voice continuously, you're going to have to get to this place of stillness where the interior noise becomes quiet that you can hear him speak to tell you who you are. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. The one in whom I love, the one in whom I desire, the one whom I long for, the one I want to hang out with and go places with. This is what he tells Jesus. And then he says, in you, I am well pleased. So important for for us. He tells Jesus, I accept you and I affirm you. Oh, how many of us in our orphan society today are looking for affirmation and acceptance? You see it all over social media, the videos and the things that people are doing, looking for likes and hearts and people to accept them and affirm them, but they're never fully accepted or affirmed. Why? Because when you become an adult, if you didn't receive those things from your mother and father when you were younger, the only place you can true, get true affirmation and acceptance is from the living God. At least that is what he told me. 15, 16 years ago, whenever it was, when I was still living in dealing with rejection in ministry, having a glass ceiling, it felt like. And the Lord told me, you have been, you were rejected from the womb and you have been living your life trying to get people to affirm you all the days of your adult life including your mother and father. And he says, but what should have been given to you when you were a little boy and was not, you can only receive from me, is what he said. He tells Jesus, you are, this is who you are, you are my son. Imagine if all of us in the earth heard the voice of the Lord say that to us, and you are hearing it now because these are his words written, and he will say it to you, just ask him. After we're done, ask him, who am I? Who do you say that I am? He says, you are my beloved son, the one in whom I love. And he says to him, I accept you. In you, I'm well pleased. I accept you and I affirm you. He says, I'm pleased in you. Jesus had not done one thing in ministry at that point. He had not performed one miracle at that point. And the Lord says, I am pleased with you. The big thing about it is that Jesus now lived his entire walk with the Lord. The next three and a half years, he lived from the pleasure of the Lord, not living to seek the pleasure of the Lord. Oh, there's a major difference. If you and I knew fully who we were, we would know that he's already pleased that we accepted him. He's pleased that we want to live like him and live for him. And that there is a major difference to live from something as opposed to living, attempting to gain something. He lived from the place of acceptance. He lived from the place of affirmation. It's the reason why he could tell his disciples three years later, that the enemy has nothing in me. He has no right to my life. There is no sin in my life. I have not sinned. 
in this life. He says, and yet I go that I might show the world I love my father. The reason he was so willing to live a life that showed the world how greatly he loved the father is because he knew how greatly the father loved him. If we knew whose we were and who we were, it would free us to live a life that we've longed to live. It would free us to say what we've longed to say. It would free us to do the things that we long to desire, we've long desired to do. Because we would not be seeking the pleasure of man when we already know we have the pleasure of our Heavenly Father. If you are in Christ, your fixed primary position, you were in Christ the day of his baptism. He carried you in his bosom. You were there. And if you and I were there, the Father, as he said to Jesus, he says to us, you are my beloved son or daughter. And I say it to you today. You, whoever you are listening, watching, wherever you may be right now, you, you, yes, you, as I close, you are the beloved son, daughter of the living God. You, yes, you are the one whom he died for. You're the one that he came for. Yes, he knew what your life was like. He knows the issues that you still deal with. He knows the torment that you wrestle with, and he has chosen you. Yes, you, to be a son, to be a daughter. You, he has given his presence to, his voice to. You, he has accepted. You, he has affirmed. Today, we don't live attempting to obtain favor. Today, we live from favor. Because we're in Christ. Primary, fixed position. Who am I? I'm the favored one. Who am I? I live from the place of the open heaven because I am in Christ and he never had a closed heaven. I am in Christ so I live from affirmation, from acceptance. I live from these places. I live from all of the, the place where all of the resources of heaven belong to me. I am not attempting to gain the resources. I live from them. I'm not attempting to gain heaven. I live from heaven to earth. Who am I? Who are you? The earth awaits your arrival. The earth awaits the prototype that they've been waiting for. We know all of these technology guys today and the things that they're creating, and they create prototypes as they prepare to launch whatever product. You're heaven's prototype for the earth. You were created with this day in mind. You and I were created knowing we would be in a society as it is today, whatever you name, whatever you think about. But you and I carry an answer. We are the, exp 
express prototype. We are the new creation, that which has never existed for this hour, for this day, to bring the life-giving answer to a society looking for the master. How do I know they're looking for the master? Haggai tells me. Haggai 2.7 tells me that he, meaning Jesus, is the desire of the nations. We carry his DNA. We carry his dream inside of us. It's who you are. You are, you carry more than what you may be aware of. He is ready to unlock and unleash it in a world around us. For the world is groaning. Nature, nations, the oceans, volcanoes erupting, people clamoring. They're waiting for you, for me, to release the dream that's inside, that the Lord has placed there, that it becomes their reality. Who are you? Who am I? We're sons, beloved. We're daughters, beloved. Living from another realm toward earth. It's who we are. It's who he's created us to be. You are the dream of God. You are the answer of a world around us. Amen. Well, I bless you. I thank you for tuning in today. Let me quickly pray, as I know I've gone well over. Father, we love you today. and We magnify you. I thank you for showing forth your goodness and your glory to us. And I ask that you would pour yourself out upon us in such a way that we would fall deeper in love with you. And in falling in love with you, we would discover you for who you really are. And then that we would discover ourselves. May you show us, may you reveal to us whom you've created us to be. And may you help us come fully alive for your glory, for your honor, for your namesake. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, I thank you. I thank you for tuning in today. I know I've gone over time, but I pray that you were blessed. You were encouraged, but more than that, that your life was set ablaze and your heart is coming alive this Friday afternoon. Well, this has been Pastor Ron L. Tate here on the Father's Table podcast at Midday Meditation. And I can't wait to see you on the other side on Wednesday. April 28th for our interview at 7 p.m. I pray that you'll join us. I love you. I pray that you have a tremendously blessed weekend in the presence of the Lord. And remember that at the Father's House Frisco, we have Sunday Encounter this Sunday at 10 a.m. And we look forward to seeing you there. Until next time, bless you. Bye-bye.